Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Stanley. Hello, listeners to 2022 and the BS Car Guys podcast. Super happy to have you with us this year. All new year. Lots of new car stuff to talk about. Got a question for you. Oh, good. Officially, how long are you allowed to say Happy New Year? Do you, how long do you give it? How many days? You know, that's a really good question because I feel like the like saying Happy New Year to somebody is really, really only effective like the day of and the day after. I mean, even telling somebody Happy New Year like the day after Christmas because you want to say something, but Christmas is over. So you say Happy New Year. That's a little awkward because it's really not New Year. So I feel like New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, those are really the only days on like a one-on-one conversation where you can say Happy New Year and it's genuine. So so one day, that's all you're giving people? A one-day grace period? Yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you ain't gonna get out and talk to people on New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, then just go back to work. So I have a running. I, I give people a week. You can tell me Happy New Year for a week. After that week, I, I it, look. We've been here. I ain't trying to hear this no more. I don't. I know people who they'll keep saying it the whole month. That's like, look, bro, it was thirty days ago. Right. <laughs> right. But okay. Yeah. So let me ask you a question along the same lines. At what age are you officially too old that when you see somebody for the first time in the new year, are you not allowed anymore to say, man, I haven't seen you since last year? At what age? Yeah, what age do you have to stop saying that? Uh, the, um, once you become a father, uh, you get to say that indefinitely. Okay, because it becomes a Cause, dad joke? Because dad jokes. <laughs> you know, speaking of dad jokes, I'm, I'm going to oh, show you here, something. Here. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. My family got me for Christmas. That is uh-huh. a page page a day dad joke calendar. I have 365 dad jokes at my disposal. Now, and, granted, we are officially six days into the new year, and two of them thus far have been ones I already knew. We'll see how that holds up. I, well, I, you know they, they, you know, you had a pretty good repertoire of dad jokes, so it's not like you know you were coming here slacking. That's exactly right. Now, yesterday's I thought was pretty good. I don't know in what context of conversation I'll be able to slip it in, but it was pretty funny. It it was a golf ball is a golf ball, no matter how you put it. Wow. So I'm going to find a way to work that into a conversation about golf or something. At some point, that'll come up. And today's, all, just in case you're curious, today's is a plateau is the highest form of flattery. Wow. Right, because a plateau is an elevated well, flat you surface. Don't, you're not supposed to explain it. No, dude, dude. I'm just saying. Sometimes no. it helps if you explain it. No, no. Do you see the? Have you have you seen the commercials? Uh, was it State Farm or whatever? Where they uh they uh the guys the people buy the homes and they're trying to get them to uh get them to stop acting like their parents. Yes, I love those commercials. 
Yeah, yeah, because that's you should be in one of them commercials right now. That's, <laughs> I want to be in one of those commercials. Yeah. See, and you know, evidently, just like last year, we start off this year not talking about cars on the car podcast because you hey, know that's, that's all what right. Hey, look, let's talk about some cars. Um, would you like a rundown on what I did during my Christmas holidays? Yes, because I know what you did on your Christmas holiday is car related. So hey, let, let's tell the audience about it and tell me because you haven't told me about it either. So yeah, tell me tell me all this nine thousand pin drops that you did over the vacation. Well, it wasn't quite nine thousand. So I've mentioned before on the channel on our podcast that there's a um, overlanding group that um, I'm a member of or a part of and that I do some events with on uh, mm-hmm. various times throughout the year. And the the group is called Overlander Project. You can find them on Facebook or you can check them out on the internet. They're based in Hickory, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, it's a great group of guys and they put together pretty cool events throughout the year. And the kind of end of year thing for them the last couple of years is they've done a Overlander holiday challenge. So it runs okay. from officially the day after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, until New Year's Eve. And if you sign up for it, and I think it was like 10 bucks basically to, to sign up for it. Okay. So, you know, relatively low entry fee. Um, they send you an email on the day after Thanksgiving. So you don't get any like pre knowledge, a heads up or anything. Mm. And you get a list of, challenges that are associated with waypoints and those waypoints are literally just geo coordinates they're not an address like a street address or anything um and so then you use whatever mapping software you want to use to find those coordinates and they're they're pretty accurate for the most part and sometimes they're kind of an approximate and they may be a state park they may be a um a landmark, they may be a business. And so if you're a business, like you can spend some money and basically sponsor a waypoint. And then at each one of those waypoints, your team is responsible for some form of challenge. Now this may be as simple as just saying Merry Christmas from your team in a video while you're at that place. But in some instances it may be sing a Christmas carol or do a handstand or do some push-ups or, you know, it's, it's just a number of different things and the businesses can decide or the folks at Overlander project decide uh, what the individual challenge is. And then you have associated hashtags and that's how they can track it and score points for you actually going there um, for each of these places. So you have to post on Instagram um, because that's where they calculated the scores off of was your Instagram post uh, you you have to post the necessary picture or video from that waypoint. So it looked kind of cool. We didn't do it last year. I saw it last year and I thought, that sounds interesting. I mentioned it back during the year to my wife. I was like, hey, I think they're going to do that again this year. Sounded like it might be kind of cool to just try it and see, you know, maybe we do a couple of them or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, so anyway, so we signed up for it. Got the email with the waypoints. Uh, me being the organized fastidious CDO person that I am, um, decided immediately I would plug all those in and look at them on a map and see what the map would look like. And these waypoints, there was, I think there was a hundred total 
possible ones I could do. Um, about 80, 82, 83 of them were actual locations on a map. Some were just simple, like post yourself using this product or wearing a article of clothing from this company or, you know, something like that. So you didn't actually have to go anywhere to do them. Um, yeah. but the rest of them were all waypoints. So I plugged them into the map looked at it, showed it to my wife and said, Hey, I think we can do these. You know, we can do several of these. And she said, well, let's just go for it. Let's see how many we can do. Let's don't, you know, really set an agenda, but we'll, as we get free time, we'll do them and just see how we're doing. So we were at the beach for Thanksgiving. We did a couple yeah. on the way back. And then over the next couple of weekends leading up to Christmas, as we had free time, we did some that were close to us in the center of the state. And, you know, the week leading up to Christmas, we were in fifth place. And I was like, wow, we we're actually doing okay at this. But, you know, then all of a sudden competition started ratcheting up as people had more and more free time and we kind of fell out of the top five. So we decided, you know, my wife's off work for the holidays. My daughter's out of school. I can take a week off because I really haven't taken a week off all year. Why don't we just take the last week of the year off after Christmas and just hit the road and see what we can get done? So that's what we did. So me, my wife, our six-year-old daughter, her baby alive baby doll that each drinks and uses a diaper, the baby doll stroller, several stuffed animals, and all of our luggage packed up and we went and did the mountains first because there were a lot of checkpoints there so we figured mathematically our odds were better off doing the mountains first and getting as much done as we could because i didn't know you know how far we would make it in the time we had um so we took off in the 04 land cruiser because i knew there was going to be some off-roading in the mountains and um and so anyway so we got everything done in the mountains except for one place and we could have got it done, but I kind of saved it for last because it was a somewhat of an off-road road um, in the area. And then by the time we got to that day that we could have done it, it was literally the only thing left. It was kind of out of the way. I had a work conference call I couldn't avoid, and there wouldn't have been any sales signal there. And it was raining, and I was like, you know what? It's not worth the time for that one checkpoint we'll just head on east and get the coastal stuff done. So uh -huh. we came came back by the house because it was in the middle of the state and traded out vehicles, changed out some laundry and some clothes, or at least I did. My wife was smarter and had packed for the whole week. And then... Yeah, because, you know, I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't know that, that they would stick with it for the whole week. I thought by Wednesday they'd be like, we're done. But they weren't. They were, they were in it. I'm surprised too that they stuck with it, uh, stuck with you the whole time. Uh, my family would have abandoned me. Uh, first of all, <laughs> they they would have said no to start off with. They were like, "Nah, that's a, that's not like something your bills should go do." And they would have just went and did their own thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how much my family loves me, especially. Well, so so, look, here's how the whole thing ended up. So. There were 11 different days in which we traveled. And like I said, from, from the Sunday after Christmas till New Year's Eve on Friday, we traveled that whole week. Um, but the other days were just kind of spaced out in there. So during that 11 days of travel, we traveled to 75 checkpoint locations. One of them was like post that, yourself watch 75. 75 locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, one, and we, so we wound up with 76 checkpoints, but one of them was like, post yourself watching a video from a YouTube channel that's an overlanding channel. So we didn't actually have to go anywhere to do that one. But so okay. 76 total checkpoints, 75 locations in 11 days of travel. It wound up being total 2,664 miles driven. What? Yep. Say that, say that again. 2,664 miles driven. And and not that I set out to do this. I really thought there'd be a lot of trade-off, but I wound up driving all of those miles. My wife navigated and was was a great navigator and helped with directions and, you know, reference stuff and check stuff on the maps for me. And but but I wound up driving all the miles, which I was pretty, pretty happy with. Like by the last day, I was like, you know what, I'm done driving. But I thought, no, I've made it this far. I can actually do it. And so I did. Um because I love to drive. And uh-huh. um, on an unrelated note, like literally the day after we finished, like the next day I went to a, our, a family member's house and played um, Forza Horizon 5 for like four and a half <laughs> hours driving on a TV. Like that's how much I like driving. Um, but but anyway, and we, we used three different vehicles over the course of those 11 days. We drove the, the 80 series, the 100 series, and then our truck. Um, we finished up with the truck on the coast Yeah. and, uh, anyway, so we had a good time, you know, we got to see a bunch of stuff around the state that maybe I hadn't seen in a long time or had never seen. There were some places we went where I didn't even know existed, met some really cool people at some campgrounds, you know, just overall had a good time, talked to people about it uh, while we were out traveling, met people on a ferry and talked to them about it. And so, so anyway, so we had a good time. We, we went from, you know, basically the farthest western part of the state at Fontana Dam, um, all the way to Jockey's Ridge Sand Dune on the Outer Banks. You know, so we saw the whole state, um, and it was a lot of fun. Will we do wow. it again next year? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But but we did. We definitely it. had a good time. Uh, I think you're pushing it, trying to do it again next year. Uh, yeah, they know they know what they're getting into now. They might they might uh, revolt. it's like especially especially your daughter's like dad wait a minute i know what this is well i I know how to talk her into it all i gotta do is promise a hotel stay that's got a jacuzzi tub and she's in she we we had a hotel that had a jacuzzi tub and it was like our favorite part of the whole trip wow you know she's an easy sale but um but no but we had a great time and and listen when the whole thing was all said and done we came in second place Sec, you know what? No, yeah, now you got to do it again because you can't come in second place and then no. Well, and here's the thing: I haven't, I haven't heard the point spread yet, so I'm, I'm hoping to find out the next time I talk to the guys at Overlander Project, like what this point spread between us and first place was. Mm-hmm. So the guy who came in first place, single m- male in his twenties, with a Jeep Wrangler with like a rooftop tent. So he could just travel and camp and travel and camp. And so I felt like for a family of three plus toys coming in second place was not half bad. Mm-hmm. Um, first place won a set of BF Goodwrench tires and some other things. Okay. We won some worn products. So I don't know if that means a winch or a synthetic winch rope or t-shirts and hats i really don't know i haven't received our prizes yet 
Um, so I'll let you know. They'll, you know, I'll give some follow up information when that's all said and done. Plus some additional items, passes for some uh, additional events throughout the year this year with the Overlander project. So anyway, a lot of fun. Second place. Would have liked to got first, but hey, it is what it is. Um, for our first time out, team of three. I thought we did pretty good. Awesome. And you said something about what? What was that kid driving against? Said Jeep Wrangler. I'm pretty sure he was in a Jeep Wrangler. Cool, because that's a pretty good transition right there. Uh, even though I had to go, I had to go back and fish it back out. So, did you, did you buy one for your daughter? No, I did not buy one for. She for needs her one. But I have a person who I know that's in my life that currently drives a, a very, very, very stout uh, Jeep Wrangler. Uh, with all the options and the option and, uh, and very big wheels and all the stuff that I've known little about, but she's in a predicament, right? So she has a horse, and she is gonna go buy a truck. So, off the top of your head, she's gonna go buy a, a new truck to pull a horse. Which one would you go? Is it a single horse? A horse. Is her trailer a um, pull-behind trailer or a fifth-wheel trailer? It's going to be pull-behind. Okay. Well, I mean, I'd have to recommend our truck is a pretty good truck for just such an occasion. Uh Uh-huh. It has... and this vehicle probably is going to need to do something four-wheel drive, have a decent four-wheel drive capability when it's not pulling a horse. I wish I would have, I wish I had a picture right now of her Jeep. Her, She is one of those people who has all the stuff on her Jeep and she actually uses it. Well, here's the thing. So she's, she's going to be disappointed because there's no trucks out there that have the accessory abilities of a Jeep. Wranglers are the most... I told her that. They're they're the they're the scent all of the auto zone of the automotive world. There are four hundred thousand choices for how to personalize your Jeep Wrangler, and there's really no other vehicle short of a nineteen ninety four EX Honda Honda Civic that have as many options as a Jeep Wrangler. Um, okay. So unfortunately, you know, I think she there's nothing nothing else she can pick that's going to come close. But I will say, um, you know, if if it's just a single horse and depending on how much travel she has to do with this horse trailer, um, you know, if she doesn't want to go up drastically in vehicle size. Oh, maybe, she ain't getting rid of that Jeep. Oh, so she's going to keep that as a toy. Oh, yeah, she's keeping the Jeep. There's well, no then, way she's getting rid of that Jeep. Then definitely get what we have. I have wheeled our truck on some pretty rough trails already, and it did great. All right, so this is what I thought. This is my initial suggestion, but I figured I'd talk to you saying how you're going to be in this predicament here in a second. Uh, I told her to look at a uh, Ram 1500 uh, EcoBoost. No, oh. nothing hybrid system. Stay away from it. No, not, not EcoBoost. EcoDiesel, my bad. Okay, a little bit better, yeah. I said EcoDiesel. I should say EcoDiesel first time. But yeah, I was like, yeah, but you know, that ain't going to get too much bigger than your Jeep. And then I I, I I, was like, wait a minute. 
you don't care how big this has to be. It's like, so I was like, you can go to She can go. Cause at first I was like, you know, maybe you don't want to go 2,500, you know, cause if you're going to drive this thing around town all the time, you know, the ride may not be the best or whatever. Okay. Here, here's yeah. what I would say. If she, if she's willing to go to a heavy duty truck platform, uh-huh. if she's convinced she needs a diesel, then definitely get a Ram 2500 Cummins. If you yeah. don't need a diesel, but you want to keep off-road ability and accessories, then you need to get uh, a Ford F-250 trimmer mm-hmm. with with the 7.5 gas engine in it. Yeah. If you don't That's want what a I diesel. That's yeah, what if I you don't want a diesel. Now. But, so. again, if, you, if you're okay with a, you know... Uh, a 1500 sized vehicle, then, then get the F-150 with the diesel. The F-150 or the Ram with the diesel? No, the F-150. Why can't we get the Ram with the diesel? I don't, I don't like that diesel as much. And I think if you check online with the forums, the, the, the Chevy, like 1500 diesel, I think they've even quit making it because it was having so many problems the ram doesn't have as many issues obviously this is still on sale but i think it's still not quite as tested and reliable as the f-150's diesel and ford sold more than ram has so there's more of them out there i don't know to me that's just more f-150's than than yes they sell water bottles i don't know that's a dumb again anyway I just think that's I think that's the smart choice if you're going to stick to that size truck. But well, that's, this is that's my suggestion. This is my suggestion if you want a smaller truck. GMC Canyon with the diesel, with the four cylinder diesel. Yep, I thought about that too. My default was the uh, the, the, the the Ram Eco diesel. And I wasn't really thinking about the Ford the F one fifty diesel because after that I was looking at two. I was thinking about two. Uh, 2500s so yeah no that's my suggestion cool but anyway so now that we're going to talk about burning all this gas and uh you know and diesel and stuff let's talk about some evs because i know right now uh uh what is it ces is 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 going on right now and it's evidently ces has turned into the first car show of the year here recently because isn't that interesting yeah, cars are technology, so they are. I mean, cars are pretty good uh, vehicles for technologies, uh, for new technology. But I didn't envision it turning into almost into a full fledged car show. But I guess I guess it's appropriate. Kind of tell you what what the, the state of things now. Yeah, that's right. But uh, so uh, at, so GM planned on bringing some new stuff, uh, some introducing some EVs to the world at CES. Uh, I don't know if uh, if if people really thought Chrysler was going to do it, but they did it well. Sony brought another new car, another vehicle to CES. Uh, do you think Sony's actually going to build this car and sell it first of all before we get in depth on any of this other stuff? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm not. Um, I don't think they will. I mean, it costs a, a lot of money, and a, there's just so much that goes into 
launching a car brand yep. that that I don't know that they can really do it. I think it's more of just a design ex, ex, exhibition to say this is this is a platform that could use our technology more than yep. it is the this is a vehicle we want to sell. Oh, I, I, I'm with you. And uh, they they were talking about some. Um, they're about to launch some division of their company this year that's supposed to focus directly on automotive things and stuff. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, these, these, these trucks, because evidently EV trucks are the, are the bee's knees. It's the thing that everybody wants to do. So Chevy brought this uh, Silverado EV to CES, and... Uh, it looked like they did exactly what they probably should have did is, hey, what did Ford do with the uh, the, uh, the the Lightning? Hey, our truck needs to do all, at least all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely uh, abundantly clear to me that when they benchmarked this thing, they had some very specific targets in mind. Um, yep. And certainly the Lightning probably played a role there um my initial take on it is i think it's really nice that chevy decided they would bring back a love child between an el camino and an (laughs) avalanche because that's what it is it doesn't look like a truck there's nothing trucky, manly about it. This it opinion lo- will change. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like. No, I'm. It looks like. If if this design had been handed to Ford and said, "Ford, we need you to sell this and market it," um, they would have called it a Mustang. Like it. <laughs> it looks like a sports car. It. it oh gosh. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty disappointed in it. What was that? Um, wh- what was the Chevy SUV version of the? Was it the Trailblazer oh. that they? What was the thing that had the like retractable roof and could uh, become a pickup? The, and it was the Trail Trailblazer E. Uh, oh my gosh! I remember. The, you know what uh, I'm talking uh, about, right? Yes. Apparently, that guy a... still works for them, and he just got moved over to the EV department, right? Clearly, he's still an employee at GM, and he said, hey, don't forget about me, guys. Let's put a retractable wall in the back of this pickup truck. I I want to see the commercials. You know how Chevy was, like, really going after Ford when they switched to an all-aluminum bed about how um easily dentable and like untruck like and can't handle heavy workloads and being beat up and banged up. I can't wait to see the Chevy commercial where they slide some, you know, six by six lumber at fifteen miles an hour up into the bed and hit that bulkhead at the back where it removes or disappears or whatever weird Michael Bay Transformer stuff they got going on at the back of that truck. And it just slides right on through the wall and into the backs of the passengers because there's no way that is strong enough to support real truck work. This thing is, to me, 
that should have a Honda badge on it. This is like the best Honda Ridgeline I've ever seen. That's my opinion on this truck. That's your opinion on your st- this truck, and you're sticking to it on this podcast. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was just, I was waiting. I was like, I want to see, I want, I want to, I want to hear your. I did not expect that exact reaction. However, I did uh, expect you to uh, uh, put in your sip a little, sip, sip a little or uh, as the young people call oh, it. No, come actually, on. I guess that's. Tell me this should not have been marketed as a Monte Carlo. I mean, uh, um, El Camino. It's a hundred percent should have been the El Camino. Definitely. Definitely. Not. I do think, I do think it does. It this looks, is the uh, most El Camino looking thing Chevy has put out since the El Camino. No, they didn't. Cause they built the, well, Jim built the Ute, even though it was a Holden. Okay. In the States, this is the most El Camino thing they ever put out. El Camino, I don't see it. Avalanche, yes. I do. Do I understand it's why they? It's both. Do I understand why they did that? that did that a uh, little trick where you flip the the seat down and get extended bed range and all this other stuff? Uh, yes, I understand why they did it. Yes, I agree. You're doing too much. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I'm telling you're, you're you, it's the much. same. The same guy who came up with that, whatever Trailblazer XRL seventy three, whatever that I'm model look, was. I'm gonna look it up right now because I, I was looking it up and uh, and then you paused, so I had to talk, so I had to stop looking. It up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that guy's still clearly making some decisions, and th- listen, I don't know. I'm not a fan. It was the GMC Envoy XUV. There you go. GMC Envoy XUV. Yes. Um, it's a fancy was, way of saying useless. Yeah. It had a folding. I mean, I understand. that. That is what, what they did with that, the XUV, and what they're doing. It, it, is, it is different. It is sort of kind of innovating because they're doing something different. Um Sometimes wait in the future, there's going to come a day. Let's call it 2027 where uh me, me and the family are at Lowe's hardware, picking up some stuff to repair fencing at the Cranford Ponderosa horse farm. And I'm going to see Jim Bob Schmo and his family in their Chevy Silverado EV loading up some, plywood and he's like well you kids hang out here in the parking lot because i don't have back seats once i load all this lumber up and i'm gonna run this stuff home and then i'll come back and get y'all that's not a great idea (laughs) because you know how many people use their trucks for like family hauling commuter vehicles all of them you know how many people use their pickup trucks let me back up. You know how many people use their $100,000 pickup trucks yep. for hard lumber hauling work? None of them. None of them. Zero of them. That's that's the thing about this. I think the one that they're showing right now, because uh, it's like you just said, alluded to, is this is the $100,000 first edition, uh, everything on it version of it i don't think the the, reg, uh, the other version is going to have that fold down uh uh bed 
thing, whatever. I don't know what you call it. Pass through. Uh, I think that's a little doing loads. I don't hate it how it looks. It still looks like a truck to me. Uh, I'm, but then again, I'm not truck people like that. But that's because you also <laughs> think the Honda Ridgeline looks like a truck. Because it is functionally a truck. It is a truck. I uh, there. Listen, I don't want to say I'm. I'm not saying this to be offensive to our audience you? members who this may or may not apply to, but uh-huh. there are plenty of people in wheelchairs who have legs who functionally look like they could walk, but they actually can't. See. <laughs> See, remember when I just said that Sherry <laughs> you did doing too much? That, that yeah. one right? It was the first comparison I could make in my mind. <laughs> I know it's not the most politically correct, but it's still accurate. I know some I know some people who you're gonna have to see on Sunday that may have that may have uh may may ask you talk to you about that. He he might. If he listens to the podcast, he might. <laughs> and he's in a wheelchair because he can't walk. I'm not, I'm not saying that it wasn't incorrect, but it was also correct. Like that's the thing about comedy is sometimes you have to thread that needle and it may step on a toe, but it's also accurate. All right. I'll, I'll positive from this truck. Positive uh, from this truck is it sounds like it'll have good range. It, the horsepower and torque numbers look pretty good. And supposedly, if you option it correctly, it'll tow 10,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's it? That's all you got? Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything in that interior with work gloves on in a muddy but job this, site. But, but this is going to be the super fancy $100,000 one. This ain't the workshop right here. You know, they ain't gonna show you the work truck version of it at CNET, at CES. You know, well, but they gotta they show here's, the. Here's the thing: that's what people one. want. Like people want a rugged truck. This is not a rugged truck. Everything about this looks like. And again, this is coming from the company who had a marketing campaign to, like, make fun of Ford for choosing aluminum. And this thing actually somehow has more plastic on the outside of it than the Chevy Avalanche, which is like the most plastic to truck to ever truck. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the next set of information that comes out, and when we talk about this again, I'm a. I'm a bet that your uh, your opinion softens just a little bit. Hmm. I'm going to okay. work on you anyway. But anyway, we ain't going to spend this whole time talking about this. I guess uh, my takeaway, one of my takeaways from this, I don't hate how it looks. I think they're doing a little bit too much. I do like the interior, and this isn't the work truck version, so I don't expect this to be all rugged, and I expected this one to be all shoddy and stuff because this is supposed to be the $100,000. I don't think it, it should cost $100,000, too, because I just don't think any truck should cost $100,000. I think you defeat the point of calling it a truck at that point. But <laughs> well, let me tell you what I think. This is my last opinion about it, too. Okay. Again, another supportive evidence reason why it's not a truck. You're you're actually 
advertising this as a positive design feature that it has available 24 inch wheels. Oh yes, 24 inch wheels. Thank you for uh, bringing it back because I was gonna, I was gonna meant to say that. That might 24s? actually be that might actually be the least truck truck feature on this truck of all it, the things I mentioned that make it not a truck. That one's probably the worst. First of all, I guarantee you, if they put 24s on this truck, Ford and Ford and Ram are going to put 24s on their trucks. Well, and Ram definitely will, because they can't help yeah. themselves. <clears throat> they're going to put 26s on there, because, you know. Uh, they're going to uh, put 26s but, on there with spinning center caps that shoot flames out when you stop at a stop sign. Right, first of all, you ain't going to be talking about my, my I like Ram 1500s. I think they the best looking truck right now, but we ain't going to argue about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, 24s? Ridiculous. Man, I, have, I, 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 I do not even want to imagine how much some tires, well, actually, I could look up how much some tires cost because they're, they're for sale right now. Uh, good luck when it comes time to replace them. Uh <laughs> Good, good luck um, when you have to drive over a pebble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why, why tires and wheels got to get so big on as OEM stuff. I mean, I understand they're getting big. And the crazy thing is, I looked at a because uh, one of my co- one of the coworkers got a, a new Tahoe, and they got twenty twos, twenties, whatever it's on. They only, they only got the super fancy wheels on it. It's crazy, and they look. Normal because that thing is gigantic, right. so maybe that's the point. Because the vehicles are getting so big that the, the, the tires and stuff got to get the, the wheels and tire package got to get big to just look proportional. <laughs> maybe that's what it that. is. I'm gonna draw that, but there was there were there were two other things that came out, uh, that I thought were uh worth talking about. Um, one of them was about the same, one of them was about the same company. Uh, did you get the chance to? Uh, sneak a peek at the Equinox. Oh yeah, uh, I did. I got a chance I, to sneak a peek at it. I I actually like how that looks, and I know you're gonna hate it. Go ahead, go, go and tell us how much you don't like it. Okay, here's the thing. Right, I kind of I kind I I kind of want to like it, and I I I definitely want to give Chevrolet props for not calling it like the Camaro Cross because that's what Ford would have done, <laughs> right? Oh wait, that's what Ford already did. So, yeah, listen, let me hate on Ford a little bit because that's not a Mustang and they shouldn't have called it a Mustang. And I think enough people have made fun of it. They've learned their lesson. And good job, Chevy, for not calling this the Camaro Cross just to compete with Ford. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that this vehicle really, and I don't know that it's this vehicle in particular, but I think it's the collective weight of having looked at that Chevy truck then looking at this Equinox, <laughs> and then also looking at the third vehicle we're going to talk about, uh-huh. and then just the the weight mentally of processing all of these new anamorphic EVs. That here's here's my realization. And again, I may step on some toes here, but listen, that's It'll what take. I'm here. That's what I'm here to do. I've already got enough friends. So if if you don't like what I say, that's okay with but me. But do you do you have enough friends? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so here's my thing. It is no wonder that in the world we live in today, 
there are issues with guys not knowing if they're really guys and girls not knowing if they're really girls. When we got cars that don't know if they're really station wagons or if they're sports cars or if they're SUVs, this is a reflection on our society that these vehicles all look like gender neutral blobs. And that's what this car looks like to me. But so does the next one. And so does that truck. There's no, there's no like presence to this vehicle. There's no, it's, it's like, it's trying to say, I'm an SUV. I'm a sports car. I'm a station wagon. I'm a, minivan i'm it's like it's trying to be too many different things like i get if it's kind of your first ev suv that you're bringing to the market but just pick a lane and stay in it and say we're going to make a rugged looking suv and it's an suv don't say we're going to make an equinox but make it look like a camaro but also look like a, a volt and also look, I mean, it just picks something and do it. This is like, we want to build a car that everybody will love. So we'll just give it characteristics from everything. And it comes out looking like, you know, one of those cakes you see on the Pinterest fail videos where people tried really hard, but they put in everything and it went sideways. And and that's what I see when I see this is like, there's no real style or character to it. It's just this thing. It's an appliance. We've talked about this. I want some style in a vehicle. I want some presence. I want some character. When I see it, I want to be like, oh, that's that new Chevy. That's the hotness right there. Not like, is that the Chevy? Or is that the Hyundai? Or is that the Toyota? Or is that the, what is that? Oh, let me get a little closer. It is a Chevrolet. I couldn't tell because it looks the exact same weird elevated high waistline egg shape that's on the road. And I'm not hating on it completely. I think it's got a nice interior. And again, good first effort from Chevy. It is better looking than the Mustang Mach-E, but it is also generic. You just called it Mustang Mach-E. I think you should find yourself. Yeah. Yeah, we ju- we don't say that. We just say Maki around here. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, but you get what my point is: is that it's very generic. I I get your point, and I'm gonna back off from your uh, your uh, your uh, what is it? What's the word? Anyway, your comparisons again. But I do understand your sentiment. Uh, once upon a time, once upon a time, trucks look had a distinctive look. Uh, yes. Sports cars, sports cars. Sports cars, sports coupes had a distinctive look. GTs had a distinctive look. Yes. Sedans had a distinctive look. Then and then on top of that, luxury cars had a distinctive look. You know, you didn't have there wasn't there wasn't that as, as much guessing as as there is now. If you saw a Mercedes, or you saw a Mercedes and you knew it was a luxury car, it didn't look like a Chevy, you know what I mean? Or even, exactly you, right. compa- you compare things in, 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 the, in the same category until you got to the eighties where GM start hurting themselves way too much with platform sharing and stuff like that. A Chevy, I mean, there were, they had a market plan that you graduated from Chevy to was it Chevy 
Pontiac, the Chevy, the Buick, to Cadillac, right? That was a, yep. that was a yeah. They told you that that was their goal. They was gonna get you to move this way in this stuff, right? But at the same time, they didn't look exactly alike. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. A Cutlass did. A Cutlass didn't look like a um, Eldorado. But yeah, uh, Eldorado. It, it just it had more presence. It, it it said something with the way it looked. It, it wasn't just a badge. It wasn't just the, the the name. You you saw it. You felt it. It it, it presented itself in a in a better way. You know what I right, mean? Right. Right. Um, but now you know, uh, car. Uh, some. Well, I can't even say some. Automobile automobile manufacturers have uh, have gotten a little um, uh, less creative with some of their production vehicles, in my opinion. I mean, I listen to I'll, I'll watch some um, listen to some other podcasts and listen to some other guys talk about it. A lot of these people go to the same design school, so they're being taught by the same people's. Yep. And the principles are the same. So, they, I mean, it's just echoing through everywhere, right? right. But, um, and then they, they put these things in um, in digital wind, wind chambers to try to eke out the most aerodynamic, efficient shape possible. And then they and then they tack mirrors on it and wheels on it, and then they call it a car. Uh, Mercedes EQS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And, 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 then, you know what? That's a really good example because the Mercedes EQS and the uh, and the uh, Lucid Air are tied for the vehicles with the most the being the most at uh, aerodynamic vehicles ever in production. Yeah. However, when you look at them, they do not look like the same. They make if you put them if you did a shadow of them, they probably look the, the exact same. But when you look at the cars in real life. They don't. They look like they're two different shapes, right? Because right. Lucid actually made the cars. Like you know, what we don't want to do is build a jelly bean. A, a jelly bean. Which I think you what to all the... of these other cars are. They're a weird jelly bean egg yeah. shape. And and this yeah. is the other. At least if they and at least if they did it, uh, Lucid when they did it, it's like you know what we got to keep. We're gonna we got to keep this dagger air and everything, but we can dress this jelly bean up and try to make it look like something else. You know what I'm mean? right, right. But you you're about to say something. Well, I was just going to say, and this is the other thing, because I know people are going to hear me say what I said and be like, man, he's coming down really hard on this, this Equinox, you know, but. It's not, it's not really the Equinox, it's the whole thing. It, it is, it's, it, it, and it's not even EVs. I mean, EVs are getting the worst of it because they're like these automotive executives who are geriatrics trying to predict what people in their twenties are going to want in five years. And mm-hmm. they have no concept because they're so disconnected from that reality that, yeah. you know, they haven't been a struggling young adult trying to find their place in the world for 50 years. So they don't have a clue. But but here's the thing about this is this Equinox, ultimately, it's a concept. I mean, I know it's not far from production, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, Chevy's a company that has to make money and they're going to cut some of these things that look flashy and cool on this thing. And at the end of the day, it's going to become even more generic looking. And that's the thing that really gets up under my skin is when I look at it, I'm like, even the stuff on this that I want to like, it's probably Mm -hmm. going to lose by the time it actually Uh, gets to the production level. 
Another reason that I was probably going to lose some of that is is their, their target price for this thing is around about $30,000. Yeah, and, and I can tell part, you, as it looks in that picture, that's a $60,000 car. Yeah, and here's the part where you're about to be mad at. You know, I'm about to, I'm about to, uh, matter of fact, let me go ahead and put this down so I can see your face. So, <laughs> so this, so this, and another vehicle is going to come to the market in 2023, right? And the other vehicle is the Blazer EV. Yeah, I know. And it's supposed to be more expensive, and it's probably going to look the exact same. Well, it's going to be a little taller. And it's, I, I, you know what, you know what, let me. I think, I think you should be able to, we should be able to veto names, car names. I think we should, new rule. We should collectively be able to come together as a car buying community and veto names. Okay. <laughs> like Trailblazer shouldn't be yeah, on an like, EV. Like Trailblazer yeah. should be like, if it's an EV, it should name should automatically be changed to like Driveway Blazer. No, or parking lot blazer. I don't want to go so far as to say we get to rename the vehicle. We just get to veto the name that they came up with first. We get one veto. <laughs> it's like a blank Mach E. No veto. <laughs> they can come back and just take the take the, the Mustang off of it and and just call it the Mach E. And it's like cool, that works. But you can't do the other thing. Uh, blazer. Putting a blazer on, I don't care if they put Equinox on the name on that EV. Well, right. That if you really has Chevy's no... website, that's the scary thing is it doesn't even say Trailblazer EV. It says, it says Blazer EV. Yeah. That, no, we should be able to veto that. That No, that, that, that should not be a thing. Because the blazer. Is, yeah, no, that, no. We should, we should have got the, we should have been able to rename the blazer when it came out. Looking like a Camaro Cross. <laughs> That's right. It should have been called the Camaro Cross. Yeah. If if you know, Mitsubishi smart enough to call their thing the Eclipse Cross. Eclipse Cross. I mean, at least yeah, they put something on there. Uh, and the last little vehicle, seeing how we done been on here forever, is the one that I actually like the most because I mm. just I just want, you know, you got that you got that Stellantis love. You know, you told me we we had we talked one time on the podcast about people being um, having some uh, tendencies to go with certain brands, and you made me realize that I had a tendency. I had I had I a preference. I don't even know why it was me that had to make you realize that it should have been because you're pretty... blind to your own thing sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> and so. I have a soft spot for for Chrysler and Dodge for Mopar things, and I have a, a soft spot for the uh, the Korean cars. I like them. I, I own multiple versions of cars from those companies, and I want them to do well. And Chrysler came out with the Airflow, and it yep. look has a very similar shape as the Equinox EV. Let me just but tell I you, think I read an appropriate name. I, yeah, yeah, it might as well be called the Chrysler AirPod because it looks like it, they AirPod. want it to come with every new pair of 
Apple AirPods you buy is what it looks like. So the air, white, air I don't flow. Think it, yeah, I don't think the white helps it that much because it looks like an Apple product a little. <laughs> so, so I was earlier I was reading an article from TechRadar.com, and they were just kind of wrapping up some of the vehicles that were shown at CES, and um, I think they probably hit the nail pretty hard on the head with their first sentence about the Chrysler Airflow. What they said. It says the airflow doesn't break any new ground in terms of its overall look, but it is packed with most of the features, performance and intelligence you'd hope for in a next gen EV. And I think that's where it lands for me is it is just another generic jelly bean EV. There's nothing groundbreaking about it. It's not bad styling. It's also not good styling. It's just, another car like i don't know when it's going to come out it's probably like a 2025 vehicle um but let's just say i'm super excited to see it featured in a um enterprise rental car commercial with terry bradshaw like yay it's going to be great like that that's when i see it 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 already looks like it is ready to be a rental car uh of course, they're going to try to sell a bunch of all of these things of rental car f- fleets because, you know, they buy cars. I um, I look at it and I agree that this, this, this shape is very generic. I can kind of see some Chrysler DNA in the front a little bit because the uh, Pacifica kind of has... No, the, the, the Pacifica kind of has a very similar look in the front yep. and not just the badge. And the uh, former 200 kind of had a very similar look. Yep. The, so at least that has there's some heritage there, <laughs> but uh, the, I think the thing that, that, that I think in my opinion this is probably the the most shocking or the the vehicle that got my attention the most as something that I didn't expect to see is because uh, I fully expected them to Chrysler to to die as a brand because you know that's what FCA was trying to do to it. They didn't yep. care about the brand at, at all. I thought they was ready for it to die. They were just waiting for people to stop. The 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 hundred of us that drive minivans to die <laughs> off. <laughs> you know? But here's the thing, and I think we talked about this on our car brands that weren't going to stick around much longer. Thing is, much like Cadillac, I think Stellantis's plan for Chrysler is for that to be their like full EV lineup. All right, cool. So I did a little bit of research on that is, you know, so they are going to go electrified. They didn't say full EV. They said electrified. Yeah, okay. I 100% believe uh, I'm still sticking to the Chrysler brand itself being full EV, but they have a uh, an idea for uh, an electric muscle car. And they are all, and they are already doing some things where they're moving away from a V8 and going to a um, a turbocharged inline six. And I'll do a little bit more research and I'll send it to you on that. We can talk about it more uh, more in depth on the podcast. When what, what is Chrysler going to do? Is this uh is this channel out there called Mars Mars Speed that I was looking at? And I was like, oh okay okay, this is what you're doing. Not saying I agree with all of it, but at least they had a plan. <laughs> so, but, so, so, I, well, I will say out of the three vehicles we have discussed and looked at, 
this one at least appears to be the most um like marketed towards usability you know what i mean like it it appears to be the most practical if you if you discredit the weird concept interior that's in it yeah because we know that ain't gonna that ain't gonna last that's they got what 37 screens in it i don't know so (laughs) right and 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 Chrysler is still Chrysler at the end of the day. They're not putting yeah. all them screens in there, and they're yeah, not. They, nobody wants that white interior. I promise they no. don't. No, hey, hey, for the car exec, uh, industry executive people out there who uh, who are humans got kids. Yeah, we know. Yeah, humans got kids. You know what? We putting that on a t shirt. Human humans got kids. I humans want that t shirt. White uh, dear dear white interior. Humans got kids. Yeah, I, we understand that looks good in concept. Don't sell cars with white interiors. Are you setting people up for disaster? People are gonna hate you after that. That unless <laughs> unless you got somebody at Stellantis or one of these car companies working on some George Jetson like auto cleaning. You close the door and the inside of the car gives itself a bath and dries by the time you get back. Marty McFly jacket that dries itself. This stop doing white interiors. We yeah, we know I, better. I don't. Yeah. I I, I I don't understand. I mean, it it white in the concept form in the concept car. I get it. You want to splash. You wanted to make you know make it make an interest. Say it with your chest. Whatever. I don't care. Well, in real life. Yeah. But we also currently live in a world where, again, these old farts that are designed, you know, approving these car designs at the end of the day that write the checks, they they think right now, ooh, if it's all clean and white and looks like sterile, it's the future. Yeah. Here's the thing. No. Look, Look at the interior of Arrivian. Like it can be green and still look futuristic. It doesn't have to be white. I I, I don't understand. I just I don't get it. It don't make sense. I I will tell you this that uh I think I was uh, um I'm a, this is a non car it, it it's a car thing but it anyway it, I just said so I was listening to somebody say this and I just tried to pull it up just now to kind of verify it but you said something about the Jetsons right. So, what year do you think the Jetsons is set in? And will I don't know twenty thirty twenty thirty? I am doing. I'm looking it up right now, but I I promise you that somebody was telling me that the Jetsons would set in twenty twenty four. Okay, so I missed about six years. Oh. Yeah. Well, you can get a robot vacuum cleaner. So we got that. Um, I have traveled nowhere via suction tube that I'm aware of. And we, we can do some of that stuff. Every car has got one good flight in it. But that's about it. Oh yeah. So we had a whole my bad. It was it was twenty sixty two. Oh. 
Well, we still got a ways to go. We ain't getting there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we got a ways to go. We might make it. Uh, according to, yeah, it was set in 2062. Okay. Well, that's, we still got a ways to go. We, 40 years, a lot can happen. We don't know what's going to happen in 40 years. Uh, I, yeah, I suspect you know. we're we're a lot closer to looking like um, 1862 in 40 years at the rate we're going. But hey, that's my opinion. Um, so let me ask Sometimes you. Sometimes you got to go backwards to go forward. Let me, yeah, let me ask you a question. With all this EV talk, we were talking okay. earlier today about um, this traffic jam ice storm thing that happened. Oh yeah, yeah in Virginia. Yeah, let's end on this. Yeah, let's let's end on this. So I have a question. Uh-huh. Our government and most of, uh, I don't know, influential society thinks that it would be a great idea if like half the cars on the road were EVs. Mm-hmm. And and listen, I'm I'm even petitioning for EVs in the workplace. Like, I do think there is some logic behind an EV as a proper vehicle to be used for certain things but mm-hmm. let's assume that half of the vehicles in that traffic jam in the ice storm were evs uh-huh. what would happen if those evs had went into that ice storm with low range on the on the batteries because okay. we all know that cold temperatures sap ev range even faster so sitting there with the heater running is a big deal because some of these evs you even have to option them with additional heaters to keep the batteries warm or cold depending on where you live because battery temperature is a huge deal so now you have a situation where the batteries are going to drain power even faster Mm-hmm. What what do you do in that situation if you're trapped in your EV and you've got 5% battery left and you're going to be stuck there for 19 hours in the snow? All right. So this, this I guess this is me and my popular opinion. This, I guess this, I guess you're trying to get me on a thing here. I, off the top of my head, you would do the same thing you would do if you're sitting in a, in a regular car with uh, with with little gas in it. Eventually, your uh, your fuel system, your fuel will run out, and you will have to make a decision about getting out of that vehicle and trying to get to somewhere safe, or sitting there. And some people are going to make the the wrong decision either way. Um, I understand that. I I think I get the sentiment that you're saying, where you know, I it there's potential that you you're st- uh, you're there's the potential to for you to be stranded in an EV in a snowstorm, and then this battery runs out. Then what do you do? I don't. I don't really see it being much much more different than somebody running out of gas in that same situation. Ah, uh, uh, you don't. Of, ma, ma, as well, a let me ask fact, you. Well, I haven't done yet. Let me okay. finish. Nah. Okay. Because I have a follow up question that is directly related. As a, as a, if if my memory serves me correctly, is that EV sitting there running just running just its heater is going to use less energy than it is moving. So the battery is actually going to last longer than it would be driving down the road. So that Perfect. may give it a little 
bump, but I don't I don't really see that being much different either way. Okay. You done? Yeah. Okay. Done. So let me ask you my follow-up question. I so, knew I knew that was gonna be a follow-up question. So given given the information you just shared, which yeah. I don't disagree with, I do think it's gonna be a similar outcome, but it's what happens next is the problem. Mm-hmm. Now if if half of those cars there ran out of gas mm-hmm. idling overnight and people mm-hmm. had to make that tough decision one way or the other, right or wrong, mm-hmm. now it's tomorrow. It's the next day. It's warmed up. The road's thawed out. You can carry a gas can to those cars and pour some gas in the tank and get them down the road to the gas station. Yep. But you can't run drop cords out to the side of the freeway or the middle of the freeway to 50 dead battery cars sitting there in the road with zero range left on them. No, you can't. You can't just bring a charger to a stranded EV unless that charger is a gas or diesel generator. I I agree that... It is you are making it is a uh, bigger clean problem to clean up the mess later because you know uh, the there you can't it is more difficult to bring fuel to an EV than it is for internal combustion engine. I agree with you there. There is ways to bring fuel to an internal combustion engine. Use like a gas generator or or a EV with a big uh, a, a, a EV with a bigger charge, i.e. Uh, F one fifty Lightning or the the hybrid, one of them things. You know, you can bring you can bring, but it doesn't really fix the problem. The the uh, I the the solution to that is they're going to have to get towed and they're going to have to get pulled to the side and stuff like that. And you know, you're just going to be you're just going to have to figure out that the solution for that problem isn't going to be the old school. Hey, just put some gas in it and go start it up. Um, I don't know when the last time you drove up there. I'm gonna go ahead and say an eighth of all the vehicles in the Washington DC in the in the, in that whole area end up spending time on the side of the road because people don't take care of vehicles up there. Well, so, that's a good point. <laughs> so that ain't nothing new for a tow truck driver is gonna make a whole bunch of money getting our stuff <laughs> on the side of the road. Um, essentially, yeah. I mean. That isn't a solution that really isn't going to fix itself in in the old way. So I do agree with you there, um, but I think the 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 bigger issue isn't that either one of those vehicles got stuck, the ICE vehicle or the EV vehicle got stuck on that because um, uh, they ran out of fuel. The bigger issue is altogether is we try to mute move nine billion cars up a four-lane road that stretches from Florida to Maine every day. Yep. Why? Because I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to make a guess. Two-thirds of those people that are on that road that are going up and down 95 do that same drive every day. And the real solution is, to get all them cars off the road and put get them in some kind of mass transportation system on a train or something and get it off the road because there ain't no yeah. reason. It, it, I mean, you can't. I lived. I lived in. I lived in Japan. I've been to Europe. You've been to Europe. Have you been to Asia? Nope. 
Yeah. You know, we, and I'm not even talking about American mass transportation. I'm talking about look at other countries' mass transportation because we are not doing it well because no. we, we, we divested from it. We have too many cars on the road. And I do not see us having more trains or people moving around on trains is, you know, taking away the, the freedom for driving on a, on, a, on a public road. I think that gives you more time to, to take the drive that you actually want to take, you know. Well, and I think I think you're on to the right point there. And honestly, if you if you want to talk about the future of transportation in America and EVs in general, I really think public transportation is the real conversation yeah. to be had because that's really where the technology should be leading. And if you look at our country currently, people are willingly giving up their freedoms left and right. So the freedom of driving your vehicle should just be on that list. Like, you know, if we if we could somehow attach a vaccine to being able to drive a vehicle, I think we'd get people out of cars a lot faster, you know, because that, that's what it's really all about is getting you to give up that freedom of owning your own vehicle and choosing your own path and get on that public bus. And, and, and really the EV technology is geared or designed really well for that type of mobility. Um, because let's be honest, mining batteries ain't environmentally friendly and coal powered electrical plants that provide the electricity for EVs ain't environmentally friendly either. You know, we, we happen to see one of the checkpoints on our, uh, route around the Carolina was down along the water in Wilmington. And in order to get to this boat ramp, you had to drive down this long dirt road um, that went past some property owned by Duke Energy, um, or I should say un unnamed energy company. Um, and that property is used solely to store coal ash. But do you know how they store it? They store it in underground, like, um, landfill containers that they have covered in um, astroturf. So it is a literal fake green mountain on the side of the river in Wilmington. And now that I know where it's at, I could see it from the causeway all the way over at the battleship you can see this giant green mountain poking up above the trees and all it is is coal ash waste from power plants using coal to make electricity, a good portion of which is going towards EVs. So I think that's the bigger issue is right now it's the cool new technology, but how we use the technology is more important than, than the technology. And really I mass transportation is the good option. I 100% I agree with you. Um, 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 we're not going to get we're not going to get uber political on the show, guys. So our one listener that is still left. If you want to get super political, you can call us because we know who you are and we can just have those conversations. Come on, come on. Just take my jokes for what they are and move on. That's, that's what I'm saying. Take your jokes for what they are. Um, I 100% I agree with you. The technology isn't isn't is less important than how we use it. And I'll, I I said we're going to end a hundred times, but I'm going to end with this. I'll probably, I'm going to try not to say nothing else after this. Internal combustion engines, I'm going to make a bold statement. Internal combustion engines are not broken. No. They're just old. 
They're just old. And the reason, and the reason why they're old is because it was cheaper to keep them old. For sure, there was more. No, it that cheaper is not the right word. There were more profits, profits. in keeping them old. Yeah, there you go. It was profitable to keep them old. Yes, I remember. Uh, I remember it was a 2007, 2008 when they were coming out with the cafe uh, initiative and everything, and people was like, "Oh, the death of horsepower. Cars will never make 200 horsepower right. again, and all these other things." And every there is a 797 horsepower Chrysler Dodge Hellcat. And yeah. it gets better miles a gallon than a, the 200, uh, a 200 horsepower Camaro from Dago 1977. You got that right. Don't tell You cannot convince me that there isn't any growth to be had in internal combustion engines. It's all about want to. And if, and, 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 but if it's not going to be profitable, if some old, like you've been saying here lately, if some old dude can't see profitability in it, then they're not going to go down that road because nope. that's all that matters. That's there right. is no in, in, uh, investment for the good of humanity is not a thing. We don't do that because that don't make no dollars. That don't, that nope. don't make my stock portfolio. go. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, that's exactly and that's all right. I'm saying. That's well, I agree. Saying. I agree. I mean, you you only have to look at Christian von Koenigsegg's little four-cylinder engine, and that's a exactly. perfect example that there is still life to be had from an ice engine. And that yeah. that I'll 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 end with that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I think we uh hey, we made a podcast for 2022. Who thought hey, that first we podcast in 2022? Two years. In the bag, two years running. Hey, I'm gonna put a poll on the on this podcast about should we put this on YouTube? And if the people say we got to put it on YouTube, then I'm a, I'm gonna get on this YouTube train with you. How about that? That sounds like a plan. And in the next episode, I'm gonna mention that poll at the beginning of the show because, like you said, there's only about one person still listening. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Matter of <laughs> fact, we can, matter of fact, we can record a little thing and put it at the beginning of this podcast. If you want, Ooh, let's do that. I'll let you. I'll let you put the professional voice on to it. If you want to, we can just do it. Either way, don't okay. matter. Okay. Anyway, man, I love you, bro. I love uh, you. Let's do this again next week. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get my tonsils and stuff cut out because evidently, you know, it's, it's better to do it as an adult. It is not than you, when you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we're gonna have to do. We gotta be creative here in the future. <laughs> All right, bro. I love you, man. Later.